Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, we get to the finale, Sona, the finale of Hijack. We did it. An episode called Brace, Brace, Brace. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what it's called. Appropriate. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we get into the meat of the conversation, I just want to mention Sona and I have already recorded an episode about Bluey, all about Bluey. <laughs> a really good conversation. Even if you're not a fan of Bluey, part of that conversation is to convince you to give it a shot. If you are not watching it or if your kids are watching it, and you haven't watched it with them, definitely jump in. And I'll be publishing that one later this week, most likely. I also have another episode to come where I break down the fascinating box office stories of the year. I'm going to go week by week, each one of the giant blockbusters that came out. Most of them, financial disappointments, but all of them have very, very interesting backstories. And uh, I will be also reviewing, giving many reviews of the ones that I have seen. Stay tuned for that as well. And then what are we going to cover on this podcast, Sona? <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> Reservation Dogs is back for its third and final season. And it premiered uh, tomorrow, premieres tomorrow. So I will be reviewing those first episodes. After that, Sona, I mean, uh, Only Murders in the Building is coming back next week. We can uh, give that a sample. Of course. And, you know, Real Housewives of New York has a whole new cast. So just want to <laughs> put that out there for you. Sona's desperately tried to get me to do a reality <laughs> show on the podcast. <laughs> and the show I was hoping to be our next big watch, Murder at the End of the World, which was supposed to premiere at the end of August, has been now moved, of course, like everything else, moved to November. It's almost a year delayed now at this point. So maybe what I've been looking at that we might be checking out is a new Apple TV fantasy horror thriller, not really a thriller. It, it's uh, been called a contemporary fairy tale set in New York City, starring Lakeith Stanfield. And it's called The Changeling, and it's based on Victor Lavelle's award-winning novel of the same name. And that premieres on September 8th. So maybe, Sona, I can get you to sample a little bit of that one. Haven't there already been two movies called The Changeling? It is so strange that this is called The Changeling. There is a, another novel called The Changeling, and which was made into a movie, a horror novel. Then there's The Changeling with... Um, the Clint Eastwood movie with um, Angelina Jolie in it called The Changeling. And uh, now this one too. <laughs> so uh, go for it. That's annoying to me, but Just okay. to add to the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Loki season two trailer premiered and got 80 million views. I mean, the MCU is in total disarray. The secret invasion fiasco. I mean, there's been so much negative commentary on that. I almost wrote a whole, I almost published a whole episode just about my utter disappointment with that. But I won't add to the trash fire of that show other than to say that the mcu in general is in trouble especially with their tv shows but this loki season two looks great and season one was great apparently people are excited for this because 80 million views in one day is a lot of views <laughs> it's a record as a matter of fact so that is something to look forward to in october if it even happens who knows the whole thing will probably get bumped in 2024 at this point oh and lastly i want to mention that you know if this drag uh if the strikes keep dragging out we really don't know what we're going to be covering in the show. There are still some shows on the calendar, but that's going to get pretty few and far between as we go forward. So if we're going to rewatch something, Sona and I have been discussing maybe The Sopranos, what are we going to rewatch? I throw it to you, dear listeners. Please email us. What would you like to see us rewatch? Or do you have a particular show that we've never discussed that is maybe under the radar and you want us to cover it here? We'd love to hear any of your recommendations. I am always looking for stuff to cover, so uh, please assist if you can. Need some introduction at gmail.com. Okay, Sona, before we get into any spoilers for this episode, this whole entire time, these <laughs> whole entire time, the two episodes we've recorded <laughs> around this show, you've said, I hope <laughs> they can land the plane. And mm -hmm. you thought the finale had a lot of work to do to wrap things up. 
So generally, without any spoilers yet, do you think the show landed the plane here at the end? Literally, yes, think, but metaphorically? <laughs> literally, yes. Emotionally, yes. Logistically, I have questions. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. I have many, many questions to ask you about everything we saw here. But I would say as TV, as the summer read that I mentioned that, that the reference to this show, this beach read of a show, I was very satisfied with the ending. I thought all these kind of how can they possibly tie all these things together? I think they did it extremely efficiently. This is a very, very efficient <laughs> hour of television. <laughs> it worked for what it was, you know, yes. and in that beach read kind of way of like, where it builds and builds and builds. And you think, gosh, I'm almost to the end of this book. What are they going <laughs> right. to do? And then, you know, it just, it resolves itself and you decide not to look too hard at how it resolves itself <laughs> right. and everybody got what they wanted. And the last thing I want to mention before we get into the breakdown is um, we've been saying this whole entire time, a binge would be a great way to watch this. And from looking at the metrics on the episode, I'd say at least 10%, maybe 15% of our listenership drop out once we get to the spoilers. So maybe they're just waiting to know when can they start binging? And uh, how do you feel? Do you think this is going to be the satisfying binge that we anticipated at the beginning? I do think so, actually. I think maybe it's not one where you do it in one day. I'm not sure it rises to that level, but I could see it over a weekend. Yeah, I would definitely binge this. I mean, I think even with the uh, a couple of hiccups along the way, I probably would be so compelled, especially by maybe the first three or four episodes that were so propulsive that I probably would just push through and get to the very end. Okay. So let's kick into uh, kick off the episode conversation. So we were like, how are they going to tie this episode up in an hour? How is this possible? It was a little longer than average. It wasn't 40 minutes. It was like 55 minutes or so. How are they going to do this? Well, <laughs> immediately uh, Sam just says, this hijack is over <laughs> and the hijack <laughs> is over. <laughs> Issue resolved because by the way, this is where I'm not going to criticize the show too much. They have much bigger fish to fry at this moment. Yeah, but let's give the passengers some credit. They yes. finally pull it together. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe they were just stunned. You know, a fight or flight response had to kick in. But <laughs> they do pull it together after that initial lull, coordinate their attack against the hijackers. I did like seeing the previously on very helpfully reminding us that Amanda is the hysterical passenger that uh, Sam calmed down uh, earlier on in the show. Mm -hmm. All these hijackers probably have, this is the first time they ever got to fly first class. <laughs> this is like the worst possible flight for them. <laughs> Alice introduces herself early in this episode. And as we kind of felt from the very beginning of the show, she did turn out to be one of the heroes of this whole thing. I had totally forgotten about this. Uh, they bring up the fact that the fuel is very low uh, on the plane, which of course makes sense because of that almost landing and then having to take off again. So my whole theory of the case that, well, they're going to land somewhere in a cornfield and pick up these prisoners. I was like, I not considered the fact that they don't have enough fuel to get anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. It's actually something that occurred to me after we last talked. I'm not sure if it used to be different, but now planes basically have just enough fuel to get where they're supposed to be going because it's so expensive, it's so heavy, whatever the reasons may right, be. Right. That had occurred to me after we talked last time that once they use the fuel to almost land in Hungary and take off again, that they probably were going to be cutting it pretty close. Exactly. And now they did not have enough fuel for any additional flights. So I'm like, oh, did not consider that. Then, of course, we cut back to that ad hoc war room 
where this guy says what they're executing here is a bear raid. How have they figured this out immediately? <laughs> Two reasons. That I, I, was <laughs> my question too. Yeah. How did they figure it out? Just by watching the stock price or right. because they know that the news got out with um, trying to keep it such a secret? They make a very good point that if they wanted to bust these guys out, there are much simpler ways to do that. Absolutely. But the idea that this is just a bear raid because they're going to do this and then leak it to the media, you know, bear raids have obviously occurred in the past, but I am pretty sure maybe I'll have to Google this after this conversation, but I'm pretty sure there's never been this type of bear raid where someone actually hijacks a plane to manipulate the stock price of an airline or airlines in general. This is a tangent as usual from me, but um, in billions, I can't quite remember the details, but there was a subplot in billions about how Axe whose offices were in the World Trade Center on September 11th, wasn't there when the planes hit, but did make some trades because he knew that the airline stock was going to plummet at that point. Something like that. So it's interesting, like a similar concept coming up again. True. But I just feel like there would be, uh, there are subtler, not only are there subtler ways to bust out people from prison, there are subtler ways to manipulate a stock price. You know, you could just start, you know, like a, a Reddit conversation or something and, and uh, manipulate game stocks. Uh, yes. Price. Well, we've seen this that. Is, yes. <laughs> this is a little aggressive for that type of strategy. I think the GameStop people wanted to become rich. I think these people are trying to fund an entire criminal enterprise, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into their motivations. I love the one guy who's like holding out because he's like, we got, I got a lot of bills to pay. We got a lot of people to pay. Yeah. So I'm still curious to know if there will be some, not a sequel necessarily with Idris Elba in it again, but if we will re-explore this criminal network, because I am very curious to know like how many, how they fund this project and how they keep paying these different people that are involved in this huge conspiracy. Apparently, Marsha mentions to her boyfriend, <laughs> we can't remember this guy's name, unfortunately, Daniel, Daniel, that she did get a strange phone call about where Sam's address, and of course, he is a clever cop, <laughs> despite letting that woman escape his surveillance <laughs> maybe not the fastest <laughs> couldn't catch up to the bathroom lady he's, he's very slow but other than that <laughs> but his mind is still sharp <laughs> exactly ends up calling the apartment i do find it very interesting i have not thought about this but sam like literally is astonished to understand the closed door policy or protocol on the plane where it's like you know you have the pilot in there or the co-pilot the door is closed and he's like really there's no way to get in there and of course that makes sense you know you want to make sure that there are limited ways access to the cockpit but, but it does seem like a bad plan right like if one of the pilots like loses it you know as soon as the they swap off you can just close that door and that's it there's like no way to get back in there that seems like a bad policy if there truly is no other way to get in there there has to be a key i don't know <laughs> i don't think there is because that's the part of the protocol to not allow like someone to like get their hands on it, for example, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. It just makes me worry about air travel a little bit more than I probably should. I do like this whole part where, you know, this whole entire time I'm waiting for Sam to pull off his smooth talking skill set. And here he gets to finally do it. He's going to talk to Amanda. And I like how he like gets on the comm. You don't have to say anything. I'm just going to talk. You just have to listen. And she like tears the microphone off the, the from the wires. Like this guy is like never going to use this skill set of his. <laughs> <laughs> that plane changes trajectory and is headed right towards central London. Would you shoot the plane down? I, I, I have to think <laughs> that I would shoot this plane down. Like this is too big of a risk. No. I mean, that was the moral dilemma and what they were discussing, right? 200 people versus who knows how many people that plane would plow down. 
And it's the second time they've been faced with that dilemma in this show. I don't know. I mean, if you kind of like made a list of pros and cons, you would be forced (laughs) to admit it makes more sense to shoot the plane down. It's like the trolley problem thing, right? <laughs> right, exactly. No, it definitely is. By the way, that like gruff guy, that secretary, is a secretary of state? Wait, I forget what he is. But he literally said his title in this episode, but I And I forgot, right? Yes. I did too, yes. But, uh, you know, whatever, he's a secretary of something. <laughs> he basically takes a bullet there and he goes, look, we've, I yeah. already look terrible. I'll take the blame for this. Yeah. But we got to shoot down this plane. And yeah. then the other um, official that's there, she says, no, I will not shoot down our own people. I will not shoot on our own people. And I'm like, okay, all right. I understand the morality of that. But like, if this plane smashes into a skyscraper in the middle of mm-hmm. London and, and kills thousands of people, like what decision is this? It's a horrible decision. I'm sorry. This is, I, I, it sounds cold and calculated, but I would shoot down that plane. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> and I think it's the right thing to do. That's my opinion too. <laughs> yeah, I got it. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, Sam finally gets to speak to Alice via his phone ringing. And he just tells her, like, we cannot stop this plane from landing. Like, we can't do it. So, I mean, she now knows that the pilot's not in there. The co-pilot's not in there. They do not have control of the plane. And their decision is still not to shoot down the plane. Like, think about that. Like, these people have killed the pilot, (laughs) have sent someone else in there to fly the plane. They do not have control of the plane. It has changed its trajectory to central London. And they're like, nope, I don't know what they're planning, but I'm just going to let it play out. I'm like, okay, <laughs> not not the best plan. No thanks. Sorry. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Let's see. We might get lucky. Fingers crossed. I know. Fingers crossed policy is not good policy. <laughs> Meanwhile, of course, Amanda is desperately waiting for that one guy, one of these henchmen or leaders of this gang, to finally text her to tell her, I guess when she gets the green light, she's supposed to land the plane and not crash it. If she gets no feedback, she's going to crash the plane. And of course, he's never going to text her back because he's waiting way too long to make his decision because he wants to, he gets greedy. He wants more and more money. He doesn't want to call the, pull the trigger on the trade. So his partner just goes and shoots him in the back of the head. So I don't know how many questions you have about these two criminals who are apparently in cahoots with each other. They must have some level of confidence in each other. This guy cold-bloodedly kills the other guy like like it's like it's nothing. This is not the best run criminal organization, but somehow it can still get all this uh, stuff accomplished. Okay, first of all, why is it that they'll affirmatively say to land the plane, but nothing means crash the plane? I mean, maybe nothing means crash the plane because something's gone wrong and now you need right, to crash the plane right. because they can't message you. But otherwise, I'd like to think you could also send a message saying crash the plane, just to be completely clear and leave no gray area if there's no response then that could be like the cops arrested them they didn't the plan no yeah that's what i'm saying i mean something's gone wrong and you should crash the plane but i don't know (laughs) it could have gone wrong in a different way too you know they could have been like they rescued your daughter right (laughs) i guess i'll crash the plane anyway (laughs) i mean (laughs) i don't know i don't know i mean i get she wasn't in a place to negotiate these terms but still explain to me why did these two guys need to be released from prison yeah, that's the weird thing about it, right? Is like they, it's almost seems like they have gotten themselves arrested or allowed themselves to be arrested so that they can contrive this whole entire situation. But they probably could have done all this without getting arrested. <laughs> although, although maybe they just randomly were arrested and that's just a cherry on top to get them busted out while, you know, as part of this whole hijacking. The hijack had to happen, but couldn't you have 
just done it without making a demand and would just be like, we don't know what they want, but everything is out of control. Did you need to have this? Honestly, these two points I think you're making, you know, this is where you can't look at it too closely. This is really just writing. <laughs> Basically, what it comes down to is it happened because they needed that to happen for the story to play out. We needed to like not be clear as to what is happening. Yeah. What, you know, yeah. Because it, it could, if this was just a hijacking and there wasn't the whole side story with the criminals being released from prison, then there wouldn't be all these like, well, is this going to happen or that could happen? It would be pretty much just people on a plane <laughs> waiting to see if the plane crashed or not. There has to have this parallel storyline, but it's really just plot machination. I would assume that this plot could have happened exactly as it was without them coming out of prison. Maybe they were legitimately caught and there was just a way to get them out and still maybe hide the fact that this is just a stock mm -hmm. manipulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This would be a substantial change, but like if this organization, this criminal enterprise was somehow associated with some radical political group, that might've worked a little better. I agree. I think it would have been more interesting to pick some people who were like political prisoners, let's say, for example, and request that they were released so that they're, that was all subterfuge, right? Like they would be thinking, oh, what's the connection between those people and this, um, you know, uh, anti-capitalist group or whatever they happen to be, right? Irish nationalists or something. And then it would all be a smokescreen, right? Because all they wanted to do is manipulate the stock. That would be interesting. But these guys actually being part of this organization, it seemed like strangely convoluted. Going back to the other point about this guy killing him, there has to be some trust between these guys. And they're just like, you know what? <laughs> Let's just kill him now. Once again, I don't even know how high up these guys are in this organization or anything. So a lot of questions, but it does make me wonder, considering what they're setting up here, would there potentially be like a sequel where there's a different hijacking and we see more of what's happening behind the scenes with this organization? I actually would be interested in that. Would you be curious to see another series like this that might be tangentially related, related to this one? Oh, come on. Another hijack plane? <laughs> Not a plane. It could be something else. It could be a different situation. No. What? A cruise ship? <laughs> Well, think about it. It's like die. This is basically Die Hard, right? So this is Die Hard Two on the plane, right? So like you, you could go Die Hard One. You go to a skyscraper next time. You could move it around, you know. Or like Die Hard Three was just like playing, uh, you know, um, Simon Says inside the Central Park, right? They could just do that. <laughs> you have to move from one target to the next. Okay. Well, you're talking to someone who hasn't even completely seen Die Hard One, so oh my that's God. how, how is, I feel about it. How is that possible? <laughs> you know, I keep starting to watch it every Christmas, and then I somehow just never finish it. Oh my God. It's so good. That's a classic. You got to check that one out. Everyone's writing in to be like, make Sona watch Die Hard. That'll be the next one. <laughs> That'll be the rewatch suggestion. I mean, I agree with you. I do need to see it all the way through. That could be the series we do here. Sona catches up on like <laughs> extremely popular movies that she's never seen somehow. <laughs> There's such a long list. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Oh, one more thing I want to call out here is that, that the old beardy guy who shoots the criminal in the back of the head He's the guy who's at the front of the line where there's a car accident, like going, oh, no, I don't know, in the middle of the street. So that Is whole that question right? of was that oh. part of the accident or not, like we get to see him. Like It's it's smart Fantastic for them to bring, him, to bring him here just so that kind of close the loop on that, at least. Yeah, except it went over my head completely. But yeah, good for you. <laughs> you know why I remembered it so clearly? That guy <laughs> in the, with the leather jacket and the long beard and everything. I'm like, that guy's in the gang. Like, just look at that guy. That that like I so it it's stuck in my head. Watch me be wrong now. I'll go back and rewatch it, and it's just some other old beardy dude. <laughs> no, I bet you're right. He's a little distinctive looking for that. All right, then Amanda has this um dilemma. She's like, "Am I going to land the plane or not?" Sam is uh, 
messaging her through writing notes on a piece of paper. He's more effective in those notes than anything else. We all have families out here too. <laughs> These are pretty obvious <laughs> observations he's making, by the way. And somehow this is effective to Amanda. He has the gun, by the way. He has the gun with the bullets in it. So he does have quite some sway on that plane. Meanwhile, yes. of course, the other passengers are trying to smash in the door, which is what happened on the um, the United flight uh, the, on the, the September 11th. Haven't they reinforced them since then? Like, I don't know if you could do that today. That's a very good point. You may be right about that as well. As I was watching this, and I have not kept up on developments like that, I just thought, like, they're delusional. I think they're ever going to get through that door. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I hope I never have to find out either. Mm, fair. But okay, so explain to me. I feel like the last thing I really heard her say, she's not going to let them kill her family. I felt like that was the last thing I heard her say before she decides to land the plane. Yeah, I think it's just the whole pitch of him saying, I mean, he literally says it to her uh, on her phone, right? When Because she calls him or I forgot how that works. Oh, I guess she has her phone and she has her second phone. She calls her own phone, right? Because they actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. they saw the yeah. picture on the screen. Right. And that's when she's communicating with Sam. And Sam basically says, if that was my son, I would make the same decision you're making. But, you know, everybody here has families and they all want to see their families again. What would your daughter want? to do, his final selling point is to say that this hijacker out here has basically told us that no matter what he does, his family's going to get killed. So if he does believe this, by the way, then why does he go through with all these <laughs> actions? And if everybody's aware of this, this is the biggest plot hole in the whole show. If everybody's aware that we do what you say, or we get killed, and then our family gets killed too, and oftentimes the family dies anyway, right? They're mm-hmm. aware of this. Then why would you be like, okay, I'm going to kill everybody on this plane because maybe my daughter doesn't get killed? They pretty much kill anybody who has any connection to them, right? Like we saw it with the TSA agent, right? She gets killed too after she serves her purpose. So if there's any rumor, like they they you know co-op people and then kill them, then why would you comply? You'd be like, okay, well, kill me, but at least I'm not going to go kill 20, you know, especially if it's right. just like maybe I have a chance to escape, but you're like willingly murdering a plane full of people and maybe more if you crash it into the city proper and you're like, but maybe they won't kill my daughter. I need to have a much stronger than a maybe in that scenario. I'm sorry. There's that whole thing. And then I just honestly, I mean, I know there wasn't much time, but I just didn't feel like it was very convincing from Amanda, her change, (laughs) her change of position. It's pretty late for her to be, uh, and she's murdered somebody too. You could imagine, I'm not going to kill the pilot. And they're telling me, I'm probably going to land this plane as long as I get the green light. So he's like, okay, I'm not going to kill anybody today. But she murders that pilot. You could just go into the cockpit with murdering the pilot, you know? Listen, I'm happy she decided what she did, but I just, it wasn't believable. (laughs) (laughs) She does have to live with herself (laughs) for the rest of her life, by the way. That clever cop boyfriend, Daniel, his name is, right? Yes. Calls Sam's apartment, checks in with the son. The son mentions his bicycle. Remember my, my bike? What is the message there? Have I forgotten something about the bike? I guess he just doesn't have a bike. So he's just like somehow signaling there. First of all, it was so clearly a signal. It was so awkward. It's so obvious. Exactly. But second, I was kind of like, what's going on with the bike? That (laughs) clearly this is like a very complicated message that's being (laughs) communicated beyond an SOS. The detail of the bike that I took this morning, the morning. Remember the bike? The bike? I'm going to ride it really, really fast. Yes. 
But to his credit, uh, not only does he show up there, you know, smart enough to pick up on that, but I do really like the whole thing where it's like, we have to evacuate the building. And they're like, no, no, we're going to stay here. And it's like, dude, there's like a plane coming right at us. So it's like, yes, use the actual facts of what's happening to have them evacuate the building, which I think is a very smart. So smart. And I just want to bring up, because my husband watched a few minutes of this with me, an interesting conversation that we had about how law enforcement is not armed in the UK the way they are here. Certain people have guns, but not everyone has guns. So he is in this super dangerous situation without even a weapon. So he's got to figure out, like we know he called for backup, but you know, he's really got to be careful because he has no way to defend himself whatsoever. That has changed in the UK, at least from watching the TV shows. You're absolutely correct. Like 10 years ago, nobody carried firearms. And now basically everybody, like Happy Valley, which takes place in a small town, she has a pistol, a sidearm. So it's like, I think that's changed over there. Maybe, but I don't think he had one. You would think he would have had it. They would have at least showed it. I mean, but then again, he has a whole SWAT team with him. So he's pretty, uh, he probably doesn't need to be brandishing a weapon. (laughs) Oh, yes. Originally. No. Correct. Correct. So then Alice takes control. She's going to talk him down. (laughs) Sam thinks he can land the plane. Just kidding. That was like referencing our last conversation. I thought about it. I thought about two (laughs) things. The last conversation about people, I actually Googled it. It's that about 50% of men think they could land a plane after watching a three-minute YouTube video, first of all. <laughs> uh, three-minute YouTube video. Um, and so that was one thought I had. And the second thought I had was like, wow, this show is really putting across that moms are just doing too much, right? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this one woman just is trying to get to work on time. And now this is the day she's having. And the other one is just trying to live her life. And now she's hijacking a plane. <laughs> We got to talk about the other mom when we get to the end of the episode, by the way. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so before she'll land the plane, though, she wants to have somebody on the call. Luckily, they have everybody on the call to uh, confirm that she will not fa- face criminal charges for, I mean, murdering that pilot. Okay, they won't prosecute her, but I mean, she'll have to live with that. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of tabloid headlines in the UK about the murderess <laughs> who almost killed the, everybody and murdered a pilot is walking mm-hmm. free among us. So we'll see how the... The, the UK tabloid media <laughs> reacts to all of that. That could be part of the sequel. You have to at least go through the process, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> right. in the end, they might understand and cut you a break, but like just from the get-go. But that convinces her apparently. And I had no idea, by the way, that the tires come down with a little hand crank and uh, Sam does not crank that tire. <laughs> that does not crank that thing fast enough, by the way. <laughs> it seemed like it was like almost like a Flintstones type of plan. Of, like <laughs> you put your feet down really hard. Yeah, it pressed really hard. Exactly. <laughs> like, is this really what happens when they land the plane? <laughs> that might explain some of those rough landings, by the way. <laughs> and then as they're gliding in, they lose power. They don't even have enough gas to make the final descent. They're gliding at this point. They're trying to get the tires down. Everybody starts to panic on the plane. And the reverend's wife is like, this is your moment. This is why you're on this plane. So I was like wondering, when does the reverend be on you the plane? You had off? mentioned that before. And I thought of <laughs> and you in that moment. he stands up for two seconds and he's like, chill the fuck out, everybody. <laughs> and they all shut up. They all take calm down. I'm just like, what? <laughs> okay. I guess it paid off. A real man of God there. Yeah, I mean, they planted the seed really early for not that much payoff in my mind. Literally is in one of the very first scenes of the whole show. And this is the payoff near the very, very end where he just gets up and tells everybody to calm down. And somehow he has like moral authority because he's wearing a his reverend uh, collar. Mm-hmm. And then there's some pretty bad CGI when the plane hits the ground. But I got to tell you, th- you know, obviously we've all flown on planes and we've all been nervous about it. So this was actually extremely tense to see the plane hitting the ground there at the end. 
It was. And I thought the way they showed it, I thought the whole plane might be engulfed in flames. One of the engines blew up, but luckily I was thinking to myself, good thing they're out of fuel. <laughs> There's not going to be much of an explosion <laughs> if, the, if the engine blows up. <laughs> There's like a fake moment there where everything seems peaceful. Everybody's exiting the plane. They've gotten the the hijackers and the people who are involved you know, in their own group there. They do a good job of like distracting us with all these people like saying goodbye to each other as they're exiting the plane. Cause I'm not even thinking about the fact, like, wouldn't they get the hijackers off immediately? But apparently. If I can just revisit one thing yeah. from before, cause you're mentioning people saying goodbye. Could you imagine the chaos of handing 200 people a sack of phones and being like, you figure out whose belongs to whose. <laughs> exactly. What a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume that, you know, in practical terms that, you know, the lock screen would probably give away some of them, but you probably not aware of everybody in your cabin. You probably know only like four or five people around you. Exactly. There's like 40 rows or whatever. <laughs> yes. What a nightmare. And it's all happening in minutes, right? Like, I mean, I think that would take right. at least half an hour to distribute all those. Yeah, I think so too. Like, I, I mean, my lock screen does not have my picture. Someone would be just be walking around going like, I've got a palm tree. There's a palm does tree. Anyone know does this? anyone what know is this? palm tree? <laughs> and then as everybody's exiting the plane, of course, one of my favorite moments in this whole entire series is the mom with the luggage. I had not seen these luggage before. The ones that the kids like actually scoot around on yeah. their like, little cars. Mm-hmm, and her mm-hmm. husband's like, you're supposed to leave those bags on the plane. And she goes, not for families. It all comes full circle. <laughs> she still is overhead bin Nazi. And then we get to the very end. Sam's like, one minute, I have to go back. He's getting the gift that he bought for his ex-wife. Which was very expensive in his defense. <laughs> he, should, he You know what? He got the idea when he saw the woman with the other bag. He's just like, hold on a second. I left something else. <laughs> But for a minute there, when the door closes again, I'm like, oh my God, Sam, <laughs> you know, he was just doing a big deal in Dubai. It's like Sam was the mastermind of this whole thing. <laughs> Something like that crossed my mind for a <laughs> millisecond as well. <laughs> oh, it fell, it fell apart immediately. But I'm like, for a minute there, I'm like, oh my God, it's like the end of Saw or something like dun, dun, dun. And then I also, on the idea of thinking the plane was going to be engulfed in flames, I thought now they've closed the door. The whole thing is <laughs> going to be up in flames and he's going to be done. That would have been the grimmest way to end this show. Like, they're all dead. <laughs> I really <laughs> thought that could happen, though. The end. It was There wasn't much time left. They really had those. I thought they were same things because like we got like 10 minutes left in the show at that point when the plane hits the ground. I'm like, they could blow up the plane right now. <laughs> Yeah. And then how did you feel about this whole final moment where him outsmarting the hijacker and the hijacker's motivation going, like, if I'm going down, you're going down too, Sam. Like, did you buy this whole last minute of the show? Okay. So when this first started, I really rolled my eyes and I was like, okay, first of all, I thought this was over and it's not. And I always get annoyed when there's like mentally and emotionally prepared myself for the episode to be over and it is continuing. So I was annoyed on that level. I was annoyed that it's like, seriously, you can't just let it go. I was annoyed that the guy was carrying two guns when we've established only one is loaded. Maybe he didn't know which one was loaded. I think that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he's just like, whatever, I have a 50-50 shot. Exactly. Okay. I should have both. Yeah. But I think in my mind, it's such a good job of building this tension that I got involved in it despite myself. What did you think? <laughs> Yeah, it was the same. I think that the whole ending is really well done as far as like from a tension standpoint, although there's no way in the same way that there's no way they blew up the plane and killed everybody on it. There was no way that Sam was going to get shot here at the end. But agree. But yeah, it was interesting. And then Sam cleverly leaves his phone behind, tells his wife to call him back. They call him. And then that's a distraction that he needs to get that 
slight upper hand on the final hijacker. And the SWAT team rushes in. But it did make me think, once again, with the phone, I'm like, that was pretty clever. But it did make me think about Sam in general as a character. I really feel like they should have made him more of an everyman because the idea that this is like the greatest negotiator in the world. He has been clever a few times here, but did he do anything that just someone with their wits about them (laughs) couldn't have accomplished in so many ways? I agree. Plus a few missteps along the way too. So, Oh, many, many, yes. Which would have made him more, like I think more empathetic to be in my mind. I'm thinking like, what is this guy's master plan? You know, like what kind of four dimensional chess is he playing out? And it's like, he's not, he's just kind of winging it from moment to moment, trying Figuring his best. Figuring it out and as like, he goes, just like the rest of us. Yeah. If this was like diehard to make the diehard analogy again, if this is just Joe Schmo in this circumstance, just trying to make the best of it, that's even more suspenseful, I think, than this guy's like, a master at what he's doing. And he's like, really? (laughs) Not that impressed with you, buddy. (laughs) He did stay cool under fire though. I'll give him credit for that. That's true. Dusts off his shoulder (laughs) and he walks off the plane. (laughs) That's the end of the movie. That's the end of the series. I mean, I guess he's not getting back together with Marsha. Yes, I would assume. Yes. Oh, well. And that song that ends it on, I love this song, by the way, um, At the Dark End of the Street by James Carr. It's like a classic. uh, It's weird. It's like, it was never really that big of a hit. And I remember hearing it on a soundtrack relatively recently within the past two years. And I feel like I've heard it over and over again since then, because it's such a, maybe like a lost classic to so many people. But that song is about two people meeting at the dark end of the street because they're having an illicit affair. So yeah, it's a weird way to end the show. And I guess they wanted to get one more little suspenseful zinger there in the in the final moments. But I'm fine with it. You know, once again, going to that idea of the beach read that, mm-hmm. like you said, it all wraps up in the last 30 pages. And you're like, how are they going to wrap all these things up? And then it kind of goes right to the very last paragraph of the very last page. And then mm-hmm. uh, what it doesn't have is like that whole little coda, right? That always happens in those su- suspense novels, right? There's always that. Six months later, yes. have any of that. But other than that, it's pretty much what we get. A suspicious letter arrived. <laughs> yes, right. They're like, <laughs> you're now a member of the... <laughs> you did not do exactly as we say. And then like sets up the whole sequel, which uh, they could have done here, by the way. They definitely could have had a, that kind of button on the on the season. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun with this. What, 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 were you any final thoughts? It was fun. Idris Elba continues to be very watchable. Probably part of the reason it was so fun. You know, I liked the casting of this. One thing that we've talked about before that struck me again here was non-U.S. casts tend to be much more normal looking people. And I felt like there were a lot of normal looking people here. Not Idris, though. Well, there's always that, you know, couple of really good people, really good looking people wherever you go, though. That's statistically true. It was a good plot. Catch me on the edge of my seat a couple of times. I mean, you can't really ask for more than that for from a summertime TV show, right? Yeah. And I think as a binge, it'll be even more satisfying, to be honest, because all this kind of in between armchair quarterbacking is not going to happen because people are going to sop this up. I, I watched this, the first two episodes, which were available right away. And then the next three, which I watched on a plane coming back home. So it was like kind of a, like a mini binge. And I desperately wanted the next episode. <laughs> <After> That's <laughs> right. So I can only imagine what it would be like if someone's just starting now to go through this. So in closing, just those same reminders as before about upcoming episodes. We'll be talking about the Emmy nominations probably. I'll be watching Reservation Dogs. Soan and I will probably at least sample only murders in the building see how season three kicks off we get two episodes next week so sona maybe we record after we watch them right there's the bluey episode coming this week so stay tuned for that and some other shows coming in the pipeline still a few 
Oh, and the thing I was going to bring up earlier that I didn't get around to is I wanted you to make a little pitch here, Sona. I know you recommended a terrible thriller for me. <laughs> Not that you oh recommended it for me, but you had just seen it and you were curious about it. So I know you do like seeing these kind of psychological dramas. So I wanted you to make a pitch to our audience and say, like, what type of psychological dramas do you like? Maybe name a few contemporary ones or recent ones that kind of appeal to you, or maybe just the things you liked in them. And maybe they can make some recommendations for you and maybe we can watch them together. Gosh, you're really putting me on the spot. Okay. I'm first of all, <laughs> a disclaimer, I did not recommend that movie to yes, you. Yes, you did not. This is I true. specifically this is true. told you it was awful. <laughs> true. But I was very curious because you said it was so bad. I wanted to see it. <laughs> well, that's fair, but that's not a recommendation. But <laughs> putting aside the whole 1990s erotic thriller genre, which mm -hmm. is its own thing, but th that's hard to find nowadays. Let's see, what have I liked? I don't think it qualifies as an erotic thriller. It is very old, though. Single white female, something like mm -hmm. that is really interesting to me. I would say it's erotic. erotic would you? Okay. Is that one scene? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there's the whole okay. subtext of their relationship as well, I think. so. That's true. That's true. Okay. I mean, one that is great, but was based on a book, but I'm sure many are based on books, is Gone Girl. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a very good one. Yep. Right. As I'm Googling. Get Out, of course. Mm -hmm. Right. That's fantastic. You wouldn't consider that uh, horror because I know you're not a huge horror fan. <laughs> You know, to me, horror has to be more bloody. Hmm. Okay. And graphic. I didn't find Get Out very graphic or bloody. Um, the Gift is a good one. Mm, that's a good one. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, with Jason Bateman, who I always love watching. He directed that as well, right? I think so, but you know, I'm not good at remembering stuff like that. Yeah, see, Get Out is right here on my Google list of psychological thrillers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that proves it. Google said so. <laughs> Google said so. It must be true. That is less true than ever these days. Yeah. So those are ones that Google came up with that I agree with. There's plenty on this list that I have not seen. By the way, Jason Bateman uh, has directed a few films, but I was wrong. The Gift was actually directed by Joel Edgerton, the other star of The Gift. Interesting. Oh, here. Now I've actually clicked through to an article. The Invisible Man from 2020. Ooh, I think I like this more than most people did. I yeah, really uh, enjoyed that movie. I had problems with the way that it all wraps up at the end, but I thought like the first half hour of that movie is exceptional, really good. Um, the and Girl on the Train, good. which is also based on a book, kind of like mm -hmm. in that Gone Girl genre. But I think Gone Girl is better, to be honest. Much better. Yes, I agree. Yeah, both the book and the movie. Correct, correct. Have you ever seen The Girl in the Window, that Amy Adams movie from on Netflix? It's like satire, but not. Oh, right? no, no. That's See, the... yeah, no. No, not that one. So there is. Oh, wait, wait. Yes. The Amy Adams one. I did yes. see that one. Yikes. Yeah. No. I, I... <laughs> yes, I did see it. There is the um, the other one. With, um, with Veronica Mars, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. It's like a, a, like a, like those mashup satires of all those other thrillers. Right. But the primary um, framing is the Amy Adams not movie, but the book that it's based on. Because I don't think they had even seen the movie at that point because those two things came out practically at the same time. Okay, but, so now tell me again, what is the Amy Adams one called and what is the Veronica Mars one called? Kristen Bell. I believe the Amy Adams one is called The Woman in the Window. Yes, The Woman in the Window. And the satire is The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. 
Gotcha. Well, you can see how I would get those confused. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, they're both on Netflix, by the way, both on Netflix. I did see the Amy Adams one. It is the type of movie that I should have loved, but the truth of it all was just not good enough for me, the way the whole plot resolved itself. Um, I thought yeah, the setup I, was good, but then I didn't like the rest of it. I actually read the book. She's a big Hitchcock fan, so there's obviously like a rear window reference there mm -hmm. and maybe more, but maybe if I go into some of the other movies it might reference, it ends up being a spoiler, so I won't. Anyway, I read the book, and because uh, it was one of those things that people said, if you like Gone Girl, you should check out this one. So I read it, and I did not like the book. So when the movie came out, everybody goes like, oh, this movie's like a bad adaptation of the book. I'm like, the book wasn't that good. <laughs> so if this is a bad version of it, then I'm not sure I even want to bother watching it. Although I do like Amy Adams. The thing about Gone Girl that makes it really special in my mind, I mean, first of all, Gillian Flynn is very talented. You know, she's written a bunch of thrillers that are good, and I think they've made movies of a bunch of them. They probably all have undercurrent of feminism, right? And right. It, some sort of message on, on that subject. But Gone Girl, I think, spoke to women of my generation <laughs> in a way that the others don't, because it was just so on the nose in that whole yeah. cool girl monologue mm -hmm. and the pressure yeah. that we feel and the things that we have seen and the people we have seen and the people we have tried to be unsuccessfully yeah. and how that kind of has like driven this women, woman off the edge, right? What she did was terrible and <laughs> inexcusable, but at the same time, when she explains it, I think so many of us were like, yes, that right. is awful. That is exactly how it is. And it does drive me to have a homicidal urge. So in that way, I think Gone Girl is in a league of its own. And, you know, yeah. there can be other great psychological thrillers, but that aspect is going to be missing. First of all, before I forget, you've seen Sharp Objects on HBO, correct? Um, was that a movie or was that a series? A series with Amy Adams starring in it? I did, yes. Yeah, that was very good also. The uh, thing with Gone Girl is the book is so good. Flynn is a much better writer mm -hmm. than most of the people who write these types of novels. Agree. The plot is very interesting in a way that, for example, when I read some of the other books, I expect to have plots are so hoary. They, they really just feel like an old Agatha Christie plot recycled. It really felt like something different when Gillian Flynn in her novel there. And then of course you have the whole David Fincher of it where he adds this whole additional layer of like having this critique of the way the media looks at somebody. And then, you know, casting Ben Affleck. I love that in the book, there's this whole moment where the husband like smirks at the camera mm -hmm. during the mm -hmm. interview and like it becomes this whole thing. And Ben Affleck plays it perfectly in the movie. And I'm just like, isn't that Ben Affleck's entire like persona? <laughs> I mean, it's the most perfect casting. You know, think about all those memes about him during the pandemic. <laughs> He's like the perfect person to be that guy who, even when he didn't do anything wrong, everybody kind of hates him for it. <laughs> yeah, well, that latest one, I mean, I guess it's not that recent now, but I think it was at the Grammys and people thought yes. that J-Lo was kind <laughs> of snapping like at fighting. him. And then yeah. I don't know if this is true or not, but somewhere I read a story that she was telling him, you're going to become a meme again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, because he just looked like he was miserable at the Grammys. Right. So, I mean, yes, fantastic casting for that kind of guy. And uh, Rosamund Pike also, Rosamund, yes, Rosamund Pike also amazing in her role. And just 
I, I don't know. So yeah, point being, and I think you're agreeing with me that like, there's something special there that yes, yes. is, is hard to say, oh, if you like that, this is just as good. And creepy Doogie Hauser too. Don't forget him. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. That's a movie's pretty perfect actually. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> a very high bar <laughs> that we've set there, but uh, if anyone has other good recommendations, I'm always looking for good thrillers, uh, especially to watch with Sona because she's very interested in this genre as well. So, Do you remember this one from the 80s or the 90s called Final Analysis? And it had oh Uma Thurman yes. and Richard Gere and Kim Basinger. I saw this movie. I, I was thinking about that movie relatively recently but just because I was thinking about just random 80s thrillers that I was you know, just thinking about maybe having a series or something about them. And I saw that movie in a movie theater and I have no idea what happened in that movie. I was like, it's what? Bananas. What happened? It, it's, what, a, what? It, it's a bananas plot. <laughs> I don't even, I watched it and couldn't follow it. Basically they got to the end and I'm like, who's that? What happened? <laughs> that was what happened to a lot of those movies back in the eighties. They get to the end. And it, like, it really is. Oh, it really is. Who is that? I think I missed something. <laughs> we put a bunch of pretty people together in a movie exactly. and you'll enjoy watching these pretty people they do, do things. like some, slow motion gauzy uh, sex scenes and then uh, at the end they're just like he did it i'm like who's that what happened <laughs> okay i have one yes it might be what you would consider horror i would consider it psychological thriller it had jennifer Connolly. i think it was mm -hmm. called dark water dark city oh dark water no, no. dark water yeah, dark water is definitely horror yeah dark water is definitely yeah she's in a movie called dark city as well but there's a dark horror I mean, Dark Water, Dark Water, which is a Japanese horror remake, right? But that is definitely, that's more like- The Grudge. The Grudge, yes. Like more like that, yeah. The Grudge didn't do it for me for whatever reason, but Dark Water did. All right. So anybody out there who has, I'm going to clean up that conversation there, but anybody who has <laughs> other- It's going to take a lot of work, <laughs> man. Really, it is. I'm going to cut like 80% of that out. <laughs> but uh, anybody who has other recommendations, I'd love to hear them. Uh, and I'll keep looking for some for you as well. So I think there's some foreign ones that I've had on my to-do list, on my watch list that I never got around to that are supposed to be really good. And uh, now with uh, nothing to watch on TV, maybe I'll catch up on some of those and give you some recommendations. Okay. So yeah, if anybody else has other recommendations, drop us an email, send us an email to needsomeintroduction at gmail.com. Give us a review on Spotify or Apple or any podcatcher of choice. And uh, most of all, recommend us to your friends and family. It's the number one way we grow our audience. So if anyone else is binging this show, send them the link, post us on your social media and recommend us to your friends and family. And we'll be back soon with more conversations, Bluey and other shows we'll be catching up on. All right, Sona, thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.